And here we go. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn, host, creator, producer of the podcast of The Spiritual Spiral. I'm, I'm laughing a little bit. It's been a bit insane. I was just in my car for like the last hour. I was all the way deep in the valley, like Silmar area, speaking to David Gomez. He's a live band tour engineer for some of my favorite bands. And we just had the conversation at his studio way in the valley. So which that conversation I should actually post in about 10 days. So I literally just got home. I've been in my car for over an hour, just fed the cats and they're already just becoming insane. And I wanted to sit down and record the intro for my conversation that you're going to be hearing with Julie Scott. She's an author, life coach, I was thrilled to welcome her to the show. I met her, gosh, maybe like eight, nine years ago. She was going to a lot of the yoga classes I was going to, and we were introduced by our yoga teacher, and of course, I would see her and her partner, Paul, in class, and they always had this really cool energy, always smiling, and we always just gave each other a hug, and like maybe three, four years ago, all of a sudden on Facebook or Instagram, I don't remember where, but they picked up and moved to Palm Springs. And so life sort of was going on and I wasn't really thinking too much about her. And I don't mean that any sort of disrespect. I just, you know, life gets busy. We all sort of go about our our routine of life. And then all of a sudden I see on Facebook or Instagram or somewhere that she finished writing a book. And I was like, holy shit, I need to congratulate her and reach out to her and ask her to come on my show because I'm in the midst of writing a book. And, and it's one of the most challenging things I think I've ever done creatively. And so I wanted to hear about her story and obviously let people know, let people know about it because as hard as it is to write a book or to do anything creatively, it's probably even more difficult to get your product, your book, your song seen by all the people out there that are scrolling at Instagram. And it just, it takes so much energy to get people aware of the creative product that you just finished. So I wanted to have her on the show and congratulate her and talk to her about her book. And something that I was thinking about before you listen to the conversation and it sort of is a is a topic that she and I talk about because it's something that she had been dealing with i think we live in a day and age now and you know my show really talks about the effect of social media and instagram and technology and one area that i have become interested in or something that i've noticed is it almost feels like if you're not screaming or taking off your clothes or if something incredibly dramatic hasn't happened, nobody's going to pay attention. And it's because everybody is so brainwashed and trained into just staring at their phones all day. And unless something is screaming or there's nudity or there's something that's incredibly profane, people are going to just 
move right on by and not pay any attention. And that's sort of the world we live in now where something grabs your attention for like a day, an hour, maybe a a half a second, and then we move on. I think that's how a lot of people feel. I think a lot of people feel neglected, like their voice doesn't matter. Like unless they're taking off their clothes, nobody's going to pay attention. I think that is a systemic issue across the world. And now more than ever, people are getting left behind. I think the introverts are getting left behind. We live in the attention economy now where your attention, everybody is dying to get it any way they can. So we talk about that and we talk about her story and what inspired her to leave her husband, become a life coach, write a book, what her process of what made her feel as though her story was worth telling. And I do believe we all have stories to tell. And that's why I not only record podcasts where I'm sort of sharing my views on the world and the and the observations that I make as I sort of navigate this tech-obsessed culture that we live in now, but I also want to have face-to-face conversations and bring the art of conversation back. And I do still truly believe the way we get to know people is through experiences and by having face-to-face conversations with them. So I wanted to have Julie on the show, hear a little bit about her story, what inspired her to write her book. By the way, it's called This Time It's About You, A Journey from No, I Can't to Yes, I Can. And it can be purchased on her website, which is itsabouttimebaby.com. And I guess it's going to be available on Amazon in the very near future. And I think nowadays we need life coaches more than ever. I mean, I think about that. Most people, I really, most people are being guided by the manipulative nuances of Instagram and their cell phone. Instead of truly finding their calling, surrounding themselves with wonderful, inspiring, positive people, (laughs) a lot of people are spending their free time just staring at their phone, scrolling away for hours. So we need people like Julie. And I, it was just really awesome to sit down and talk to her. I think she could be inspiring for a lot of people, especially for a lot of women. I think she is somebody that is worth paying attention to. You can find her on Instagram at Julie Scott, or actually, no, her Instagram is it's about time baby dot Julie. Again, the book is called It's About Time Baby. It can be bought on her website, it's about timebaby.com. And yeah, I really hope you dig the conversation that I had with her. If you dig the show, which I hope you do, please share it with friends. That stuff helps immensely. You can head over to iTunes and write a review. Again, that will help immensely. And you can visit patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn if you want to support my show directly. So really stoked that you're taking the time to listen to the show. I hope you enjoy the conversation that I had with Julie. I really appreciate her taking the time. And as always, thank you so much for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Likewise, good to see you. Yeah, looks um, like you're doing good. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I'm really busy. You're, you're busy. healthy. You look really healthy. Well, thank you. Likewise. Here. I am. I feel really good. Yeah. And congratulations on the book. Oh, I know. And it, I'll tell you, this is one of the most surreal things is to be holding your own book. It's oh. like, and Paul is literally laying on the couch right now reading it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm so envious because um, I've been working on a book for like the last 18 months. And I mean, tell me about it. For me, it's one of the most challenging. Well, I know myself. And so um, I knew that I had a book in me for probably, oh, I'd probably say in the last five or five or six years, I've known that I wanted to share, you know, my own story because I've you know, literally woken up in my own life. I do a lot of reading. Um, I listen to a lot of books on Audible, and I believe in the law of attraction. And one of the books that I had listened to, um, a woman that wrote it, it was called E Squared. And she always suggests that you, you know, just ask for things from the universe and like demand that you have it in, in 48 hours. And so I remember I was at the gym, I'm on the treadmill, and I'm like, should I write a book? I want to know if I should write a book. If I'm supposed to write a book, I want a clear sign in 48 hours. Yeah. And that's kind of how I, I laid it down. I kind of just put it out there and forgot about it. And literally two days later, a work colleague of mine uh, for my regular job called me up to tell me that she was moving to another position within the company and we wouldn't be you know, interacting anymore. And that, you know, she really enjoyed meeting me and wanted to stay in touch and blah, blah, blah. And we were just having a, a casual conversation and, you know, we were pretty good acquaintances. We weren't really friends, but you know what I mean? But obviously she enjoyed meeting me and all of that. And then, you know, there's that lull in the conversation where it's like, well, good luck. You know I mean? that Like that's what's supposed to happen. Right. There was that lull and I was literally inhaling to say something and she goes, you know what? And I'm like, what? She goes, you should write a book. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. And it was literally like almost to the hour, 48 hours after I had asked about, you know, for a sign. And if that isn't a sign. And then a, a friend of mine who's actually a life coach that I've worked with, she posted something on Facebook saying, you know, because she's already written, um, this is her first book. It's called Epic Sexy You. Right. And um, she, you know, catapulted her career in coaching through that, you know, that book. And she was writing a second book and wanted to do a book writing group. So I joined her book writing group and it was her and I and three other women. And we met weekly on a Skype or zoom video call and we just supported each other and we held each other accountable. And really what we did is we just, I mean, it's not like I was literally writing somebody else's book or they were writing mine, but it was like we all met with this common intention of writing and completing a book, you know, by the end of the year or as quickly as we could. And with Morgan's guidance, because she's already written a book, she kind of gave us some, you know, background on how she thought was the easiest way to write a book. You know, you get your main ideas out and you just put your thoughts on paper, just chunks. Just I want to get a little specific here. What made you feel as though you, what did you want to write about? Or did you get, was it after meeting the coach where it, it felt like in order to become a successful coach, you need to have 
a book that sort of inspires people? I mean, and, and- no, no, it was more like I feel like there are a lot of there are a lot of books out there that people have written where they've had like a, a major struggle in their life. They've had some traumatic experience. They've been abused or whatever. I just remember thinking to myself, there isn't just like an ordinary woman out there writing a book saying, you know, I, you know, I did all, I did all the things I was supposed to do. I you know, finished high school. I went to college. I got married, I bought a house and, you know, and then it's like, I looked, I looked around in my life and I was just like, I'm so fucking unhappy. Hmm. I'm just like, what is wrong with me? You know? And, and for years I just pushed that down because I'm just like, well, you know, so many people have it worse than me. You know, I need to just shut up, suck it up and just live my life. I'm fine. It's like that word. I'm fine. And so what, what I was really saying to myself was I was convincing myself that my lukewarm life was all that I had. It was really the fact that I dove in, became a seeker in my own life, and made some massive changes for myself that once I, I was about... I'd really just gotten maybe six or eight months into that journey and my life was changing so drastically, not from the outside, but from the inside. Do you remember specifically, because gosh, I, I just think it's so hard, especially the older we get now, to make a change because we get stubborn and we get pattern. We have patterns, obviously, that just and, the, and they get more ingrained in our brain and yeah. the more we do them. So what do you think was the biggest motivator where you, because I was even reading about you where you were in your thirties and you weren't happy in your marriage. I mean, what do you think was the tipping point that got you to be like, I've had enough. I think it was when my marriage crumbled where that, that's where that was my tipping point in my own life where it was like, wow, you know, and I, I mean, it was just, I recognized that I was pretending about so many things in my life. You know, it's like, I was just doing whatever came next. Just like, okay, I met, I meet this guy. We're dating for five years. You're supposed to get married, you know? And it's just like society pressure, my family pressure, you know, things that we acquiesce to. It's like, oh, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. You know, I never wanted to step outside the lines. And, and I think it was when I realized that I was, I was absolutely, utterly unhappy in every area of my life, whether it was my job, my marriage, my relationship with um, even my family, because I wasn't being, I wasn't being me. Yeah. Like at all. You know, I have these mixed feelings about, tech and social media Mm -hmm. and and you read i read something where there was somebody on facebook or instagram whose life seemed really radiant and happy and i part of me you know the glass half empty person was thinking well of course they looked radiant because it was on instagram and facebook where everybody goes to sort of put on their perfect life Mm -hmm. so what was it but obviously, there must have been something about what this person was saying or doing. Who was this person that inspired you to reach out to them? And I had actually met her seven years before that in Tulum on a uh, yoga retreat. Okay. 
and um, just she was just there, somebody I didn't know, and I met her, and she was just an ordinary woman. She was, you know, in her early 30s and, um, you know, not particularly, you know, jazzed about life, but okay, you know, kind of like me, you know. And, and I just remember seeing her. I spent a fair amount of time around her within groups and seeing her in yoga. And we went to dinners and things like that. And you just see somebody for over the course of a week. You get to know them pretty well if you spend any amount of time with them, right? Yeah. And, you know, we connected there. And obviously, we connected on social media. And then she just disappeared for a few years. I mean, I didn't see her around. And I didn't think much of it because her and I were, again, just acquaintances right but then when she came back on social media it was just a couple of pictures that I saw and it wasn't like she was promoting anything it was just like a picture of her with her current boyfriend or just like average pictures on you know social media right pictures and she looked completely different and it was like she had I, I mean I remember looking at her picture I'm like wow she looks really good you know, and I thought, what, I wonder what's going on with her. You know, she looks, I mean, and I kept seeing it and I kept seeing it, kept seeing it. it was like the spark, the sparkle or something like she was just, she was, she was radiant. So much different than I saw her in Tulum. And I mean, she was on vacation, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So people yeah. look radiant on vacation, right? And so it was amazing. And so I reached out to her and I just asked her, I'm like, what, what changed since, I mean, I, I know you kind of disappeared for a while. What changed? And she's like, I just been digging deep into myself and figuring out why I was so unhappy in my life. And, you know, she gave up drinking. I mean, she gave up a lot of things in her life and made massive changes and told me that she had started, you know, a life coaching business. And I didn't even know what that was at the time. Yeah. You know, that was like, what, five years ago. And I didn't even know what that was. And so we just were chatting, you know, again, through Messenger on Facebook and then, she told me she's been doing coaching and I was like, I'd love to see what that's like. And she's like, well, I offer a free introductory session if you want to see what it's like. And I'm like, okay. And so we talked for 45 minutes to an hour and, you know, I just had so many light bulbs go on in my head just from the questions she was asking me. She wasn't telling me what to do. She was just asking me questions that made me look inside myself. That's when I was like, I, I want more of this because I like what I'm discovering. You know, some of it's not so good, but a lot of it is. And it's like, oh, and you, you know, she just helped me to start realizing what story I was telling myself that was holding me back from really blossoming in my own life. What's the difference between a life coach and a therapist? Well, a therapist, for one thing, um, really focuses on your past. Okay. And what, you know, things happened to you in your childhood and that that kind of created your, you know, your formative years primarily and, you know, and how you carry that into adulthood. Life coaching is really about where do you want to go in your life? Where, you know, what do you want to achieve? You know, what is it that you what are your dreams that you put on the back burner for the last 10 or 20 years? You know, what is it that you really want? And then you start discovering why you haven't gone after those and sometimes you touch on things in the past, but mostly it's about where do you want to go? Yeah. So it's a lot more, it's a lot lighter. Although I have, you know, over the, you know, three years or so that I've been coaching, gotten into some pretty heavy conversations with people. Cause you know, once you recognize something that's really powerful in your life, that's been holding you back, a lot of times it's a relief 
and a lot of tears come out because you're like, you know, and then you start noticing, like you say, your patterns. It's here. It's here. It's over here. It's in my job. It's in my relationship. It's, It's everywhere. And then once you start, once you have the awareness around what it is that you're telling yourself, then you can start making, taking steps towards changing it and changing your thought process around it. And there's a lot of different ways to do that from obviously meditation. And I mean, I, I created a lot of change in my life. In fact, to leave my husband through yoga, because Mm. it was something that was physically challenging enough for me that it kept my mind busy. Right. So that I could get quiet. There are all these life cycles that we're supposed to be living. You know, we're supposed to get married and have kids and get the job and work nine to five. And that's just not how it is. It doesn't have to be that way. We can yeah. all we can all sort of navigate our lives in different ways, which I think is exciting. But I, I think it can be challenging to sort of break free and, and create your own path. And I even think it's even more difficult now, especially with social media and Instagram and everybody looks happy all the time and everybody looks as though they have sort of the perfect life. How are you going to help people find their calling and how do you sort of separate yourself from all the other life coaches that are out there in the world? And do you go out there and look for people that need a life coach? I mean, you know, because that could sort of be presumptuous, I guess. I found the best way to find for me to go out and find clients is really for me to, in fact, this is where maybe you'll find this interesting. I use my social media feed to speak to my ideal client. Like I talk about, because the thing is, is that my ideal client is in my rear view mirror because it's where I was. Hmm. And, And it's like, I really, I mean, I really believe that the people that are attracted to working with me are the ones that resonate with my story and the things that I post in the sense that, and I, I really just come from my own experience. It's like, you know, when I put posts up, like, you know, talking about, are you feeling lost in your life? Because I was feeling lost in my life. You know, are you looking at yourself in the mirror and wondering, you know, where did 40 years go and where did all my dreams go with it? You know, why am I not doing all the things that I thought I was going to be doing by this age in my life? And I think that it's just, you can't go out and recruit a client. Yeah. You know, they, they have to, and it's a very personal thing, you know? Um, in fact, I just, uh, had a conversation with a woman day before yesterday that, that we decided to work together, but I don't work with everyone that I have a phone call with because if I don't feel as though we make, you know, we made a good connection or that I can actually help them, I'll say thank you, but no thank you. And I, I, I can refer you to a few other people that I know, but I, it's such a, it has to be a match with someone you feel comfortable with, someone you feel like you can trust and, yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. it's an interesting thing. It's just it really happens organically. I think it's you know me sharing my you know my thoughts around change for myself. So many times, you know, other people on, on and I've had to open up my Facebook to be public, you know, to be able to do that. Right. So many people will will say, 
it's like you're inside of my head. That's exactly how I was feeling when I was brushing my teeth this morning thinking, is this all there is? What you were experiencing, I feel like we all go through it. We do. And it's, an, it's a normal, natural human process of feeling depressed or sad or lost or lonely. I do get the sense, though, that the way that life is sort of portrayed through the media and social media, that there's something wrong with you if you feel that way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with people if they get angry or sad or lonely. I think if those emotions start enveloping your life daily and they last, you know, for weeks, months, then it can become problematic. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's worth seeking help. But I do get the sense that people sort of don't know how to be sad and they just sort of overreact and think, oh my God, there's something that's just wrong with me. But I do get the sense that this is sometimes just natural emotions that we're just not comfortable with anymore. Well, I also think that, um, it's, I think it, I agree. I totally agree with you. I think that it it, it does come with a human experience. I mean, you're going to have days that are better than others. Um, and it's really up to the individual to, to decide if, if this is something that they want to pursue because it's become chronic in their life or whatever, you know, it's obviously up to them. But I also think that a lot of people don't, they don't allow themselves to go through the whole process of emotions when something goes wrong in their life. Like if you look, if you look at a two-year-old, for an example, they're a perfect example of how we should just go through our emotions. So it's like they, they, somebody takes a toy away from them. They have a screaming fit, right? They cry their eyes out and then they, they calm down and then they're back up again and they're happy. Right. Yeah. But it's like so much, so much of, I think what the problem is with society is that we don't allow ourselves to cycle through the whole emotional process. So what we do is we stop it, you know, like something bad happens to you and you either, you, know, you stop it mid, you know, midstream and you're like, okay, I'm not going to let that bother me. And you just push down that emotion and, and you go have a drink or you go get stoned or you go sit on social media and stream, you know, forever and ever. It's like all these numbing things that we have, whether it's zoning out, watching Netflix or, you know, there's all kinds of distractions in the world, especially today with the internet. I mean, and all the, you know, forms of content. (laughs) I mean, look at all, I mean, you could never watch everything on Netflix before you die. I mean, it's just impossible. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, I mean, so I, I think that that's part of the problem is that we don't allow ourselves to feel the pain that we're really feeling, you yeah. know, and, and looking and move through it. Right. And it's like, okay, I'm upset. This sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just instead of just, you know, distraction, 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 just like sit with it, move through it, whatever that is, go, you know, go for a walk in nature, think, you know turn on some soothing music and just calm yourself down, but, you know, but and allow yourself to move through it naturally rather than with some distraction. I think that that's a lot of what happens, especially in this busy world where it's like, come on, come on, come on. You know I mean? I, I, I work with so many working mothers, for mm, example, yeah. who are, who are half of the breadwinners. They're a mother. They feel guilty that they're not spending enough time with their kids. They run around, in the evenings and weekends to, you know, be the taxi driver and, and there's nothing left for them. 
you know, and they just they just keep pushing down their needs and desires and wants for everyone else around them, you know, selflessly giving themselves as the nurturer. It's like, you know, and at some point they're going to erupt. I mean, it's, you know, or they just become bitter and resentful as they get older. I mean, I see that so much. It's like, because they've left themselves behind. They don't allow themselves to put themselves first in their life because we're taught that that's selfish, but it's like, in reality, we're a hundred percent responsible for ourselves. It's easier to play the victim and say, oh, I have to take care of my husband and kids and my boss is a pain in the ass and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you can create new boundaries for yourself. You call the shots in your own life. It's just that you're not doing that. And it's hard to hear that. It's hard to take that in and not get upset about it. Because again, it's about taking 100% responsibility for everything in your life because you have created it all. Sometimes I feel as though we are in control, but sometimes I feel like I'm completely out of control. And in the sense that, I mean, this is hard to articulate, I, I realize, but, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying this in a religious sort of way, but and I'm not, I'm not even talking about luck, but just sometimes I feel as though and the reason why people love social media and Instagram so much is that we get the sense that we can control what we're putting out there. We, we, we can control Instagram and we want to be in, in control as much as we can. Because life does feel chaotic and out of control. Right. Um, I don't know. I struggle with that sometimes where I, I get the sense that I'm doing everything I can to create my own happiness and create the best life that I possibly can. But at any point, something can come along where it reminds me that, you know, really, it, you know, there's a higher power out there that is, is that really calls the shots. And... I mean, I don't know. Maybe you disagree. I'm just, I don't know. I, I, and I'm not a religious guy, but sometimes I feel as though life can sort of remind me or give me something where don't get too cocky or don't feel like you can control everything because something out there can, can your life can change at any moment. I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And I don't believe that we can control everything. Yeah. I don't. I, I totally agree with you. We cannot control everything. However, we can control how we react. Mm. Right. That's yeah. what we have control over is ourselves, our our reaction, our thoughts, our action, you know, what we do. I mean, every step that we take. I mean, it's and I'm all about because I was brought up in a very religious home. OK. Mm. And so I had religion kind of shoved down my throat for many, many years. And and then I ran completely away from it when I moved away from home. And then I found my own spirituality. And in that is where I found so much freedom in my life that, you know, you know, you keep bringing up, you know, Instagram, social media. I know that I, I, I listen to a number of your uh, podcasts and I know that that's what you're passionate about. And I take lots of breaks from social media because it is easy to get sucked into thinking that 
everybody's life is better than mine or she's more successful than me and everything turns up roses for him and, you know, <laughs> et cetera, right? So I purposely unplug from social media because I have learned through my own seeking in my own life that everything that I need and everything that I... <sighs> I mean, I can almost get emotional, but I have to say, it's just like, I know that I have it all in me. Everything that I need is in me. It's like, if I could just get quiet enough to listen to what my soul is telling me, I know that, I, I mean, there was years ago, I would have never said anything like that. Never, nothing woo woo like that would have ever come out of me, but man, I've turned a corner where I, I have tapped into something that is so awesome and it is so powerful and it's inside of me and it's inside of you too. Yeah. And, and that, and that's, uh, I mean, we're kind of getting off base, but it just made me think of that. But because I do believe that what we put out in our energy is what we get back. If, if you're constantly focusing on what isn't working in your life and how shitty people are and how crappy your boss is and how your you know, mother is meddling in your life or whatever that is. It's like, if you keep putting all your energy into complaining and focusing on all of that, all you're going to do is just get more of that back. Yeah. It's like the change is what do I want? How do I want to feel? Right. It's like, cause that's what I, that's my North star now. It's like, how do I want to feel? It's like, I know I don't feel good over here doing that. So I want to feel good. How do I feel good? It's like, okay, I know what I, now I know what I want. I, and I write in my, I'm a, yeah, I've become a uh, faithful journal writer. <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, five or six journals now that I fill. And it's, it's about designing your life. It's like saying what you want, writing it down and then thinking about how would it be if I, if all of these things happened, if I got all, of, how would I feel? How would I walk? How would I talk? How would I react to somebody who, you know, puts me down? How would I, you know what I mean? How, how would I be and get in that feeling for as long as you can? Because it's sending that vibration out to the universe. And then I'm telling you, Eddie, it starts coming back to you. It's like, it, and plus you feel awesome while you're doing it. Because it's just so, it's a better way to live life rather than focusing on what's not working. It's like, what do you want? How yeah. do you want to feel? My passion is creativity and and but i do have this huge level of curiosity where i and i mean i just got back from new york and everything you're talking about requires turning off your phone totally and it requires turning off instagram yeah. and it requires turning off facebook and the world that i see when i walk around outside and and people talk about anxiety and depression and i i do think it's correlated to people's obsession with social media and their phone and technology because these are the greatest distractions of our time Absolutely. uh it's like having las vegas in your pocket <laughs> totally. it's like i mean it, it really is and i i do think now is the perfect time for people like you to help people wake up and yeah. i think I mean, we we have different sort of ways of expressing it, and I, I certainly use you know the podcast. And my book is very sarcastic that I'm writing right now, and that's sort of you know my personality. I, I've always <laughs> used my sarcasm and my sense of humor sure. to make people laugh. But I do think, and and just to sort of remind people about their priorities. But I do think now is the time for people like you 
to shed some light on people's potential because it's easy to, and our brains are so permeable and malleable and we can be so easily influenced to just sit and scroll all day. Yeah. And I think somebody like you and your story can remind somebody that you can, it's going to take a lot of work. It's not easy. No. But you can certainly wake people up and remind people that life is short. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, I've been heavily into, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. No. He, he's written several books. One of them is um, You Are the Placebo, and another one is Becoming Supernatural. And I would say listening to both of those books have been very instrumental in getting me to, I've been meditating now for coming up on five months without missing a day. Hmm. And can, can honestly and totally say that it has made a major difference in my in everything, really, in my health and my sleep and my feelings of being content. And one of the things that he shares in that is that we use 98 percent, or I'm sorry, we only use 2 percent of our DNA in our body, or one and a half percent of our DNA in our body is actually used for, for whatever purposes DNA is used in the body. So there's 98.5 percent, what science calls junk DNA because they don't really know the purpose of it. And if you know anything about nature, there is not anything in nature that is wasted, right? So the idea is, I mean, and he talks so much about this, that that really represents our potential. I mean, the, the other, the other you's, the other me's that could come out of me and you is that 98 and a half percent DNA. I mean, it's, it's, I know you would dig it if you listen to some of his stuff because it really shows you how unlimited we really are if, mm. if we really can get in touch with our own superpowers, basically. I mean, we literally can, I mean, not only can we heal ourselves, but we can create whatever we want in our lives. I mean, it's along the same line, but I, was, I just want to share that with you because I really think that it's a book that everyone should listen to, especially in this world of, you know, everyone's dying of cancer and heart disease. And it just seems like everybody here is about one more person that's got cancer, you know? And Mm. it's like, it just opens up a whole new world of understanding how we can control and fix our bodies from within, because really that's what they're meant to do. I mean, we literally have a pharmacy in our bodies that stands ready to fix us, but it's the stresses of life. It's the scrolling through social media. It's the always feeling less than, never feeling good enough that keeps us in this constant state of dis-ease. So it's really, it's, it's affecting us physically as well. I want to backtrack a little bit. Sure. It's, you know, it's interesting reading about you. And, and I think you're right. I, I think in this, there's this sense that something terrible has to happen in order to wake somebody up. 
Yeah. And I mean, the reality is, is that I was really sick as a kid when I was 12. And, and that did play a huge dynamic role on my makeup as, as an adult. I mean, I, I think when you're encountered with death or divorce or something tragic as a kid, that really stays with you. Yeah. And for you, you were sort of saying how, you know, nothing really traumatic or dramatic happened to you in your teenage years and uh, even as a child in your 20s. And it wasn't until your late 30s where you got divorced. And Mm. I I guess it's fair to say that was sort of one of the bigger life-changing dramatic events. Yes. Do you feel before we get to that event, though, that did you feel as a kid or as a woman or as a daughter or that, that your voice wasn't like people weren't paying attention to your voice or you felt as though your voice didn't matter and, and you somehow sort of got used to that pattern? Absolutely. Hmm. I mean, absolutely. Um, I'm the youngest of four daughters. Okay. So, and I was, I grew up in a, a household where it was, Children are to be seen and not heard. Hmm. Um, I was grouped together with all my three sisters. You're all the same. You know, I couldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we were all treated the same. Everything, everybody's the same, you know? So it's like, you couldn't be unique. You couldn't stand out. You couldn't, I mean, it was just, and, and it's not that my parents were holding me back. I just think that when you have four kids, that's how you manage four kids. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's difficult to. I mean, at least, and I really believe that my parents did the best that they could. I mean, that's, it's not that I'm, I'm blaming them, but it's just like, I look back and I think I talk about it a lot in my book about the beliefs that I, you know, doing this, going backwards in my life and going through my childhood and figuring out where did my limiting beliefs come from? And it's like, oh, it came from when I was five or six years old when it's like, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. You know, I wanted to be a hairdresser when I was, you know, I cut 30 people's hair in my hometown on a regular basis. And I remember, you know, my, I was telling my mom, I'm like, I want to be a hairdresser. And she's like, hmm, do you really want to be on your feet all day? Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she didn't say no, but I mean, she said enough and she had enough power over me as my mother and authority, you know, authoritative figure in my life to show her disapproval and that potential choice for a career for me. So I put it away, hmm. you know, and it's just like my whole life. Again, it was like, I was a Scott girl, one of four, you know, Bob Scott's daughters, you know, it's like I had to fall in line. You know, all my sisters went to college. I had to go to college, even though I didn't really want to go to college. You know I mean? It was just so many things were just you know, I had to just follow along and keep my mouth shut. You know, it's like if we had any issues going on in our family, it stayed in our house. We were not to show anyone. And again, that's where my pretending hmm. came in from a very young age. It's like you pretend everything's okay. And it's just like, and I did it for years. I pretended I was okay in a marriage I was unhappy in. It was just like, what am I doing? You know, it's like, who am I pleasing? Yeah. Certainly not me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can only imagine that clearly carried over to your to your marriage Mm -hmm. and what was the i guess the tipping point what i mean was it sort of a culmination of events or do you remember i don't want to get it's up to you what you want to share but do you remember do you remember that day or that evening when you told your husband this or you told your parents i I can't do this anymore i mean what 
Um, I do. I, I mean, I know with my husband, it was kind of like a slow burn of yeah. us just just kind of drifting apart. You know, like he he was just different than I was. He was from a different background, and, and really, in hindsight, we really probably weren't meant for each other. But you know, he had the Bon Jovi hairdo, and I just he was the bad boy look, which was kind of my you know de- defiance of my parents. Hmm. You know, to date a guy with long hair because every every guy with long hair was a hippie, you know, and that was never a good thing, right? right, right. So I think I defiantly um, got together with him, and and once I knew they really didn't approve of him, then I was going to prove to them that I could make it work, hmm. you know. And so, and you know, and through that whole process, and he had two children from a previous marriage, and it was just it was a struggle. I mean, I I mean, just I mean, within. A few months, it was like I was a stepmother, a wife, you know, it's like just add water, instant family. And it was like, <laughs> oh, holy shit. I mean, it was just, it was really, it was really scary. And, and, and I was very upset, but I, I had like almost like alienated myself from my family by being with this guy. So hmm. I couldn't really tell anybody that I was unhappy. You know, so it was like I had to just keep it inside and keep it inside. And I think what really was the tipping point for me, um, honestly, I had an affair, hmm. and it was and and it was actually with a woman. Wow. So that was like it was like the ultimate monkey wrench to put into my life, <clears throat> where I was like, what am I doing? I mean, what? And it, and I and I you know have looked into in myself and realized why I went that route. My husband was a very macho guy. And if I were just with another man, it almost wouldn't be enough to break us, hmm. you know, but being with a woman, he couldn't compete, you know, and it's, you know, and I, and I went to therapy over being in a, a relationship with a woman. Cause I'm like, what is going on with me? You know? And it's like, I discovered that I'm just you know, I have a lot of love to give and I'm attracted to a particular energy. And so I beat myself up for it for quite a few years because in my religion, obviously, mm, yeah. it was it was bad. Right. But once I got into my spirituality, which was my own heart centered, loving, you know, loving universe where I, I can't screw up because I'm unconditionally loved no matter what. I, I was able to forgive myself of that and recognize that I'm just a loving person and I love particular people and it's just energy that I sense and and I'm not a freak and there's nothing wrong with me and so what and I don't have to label myself as a lesbian or heterosexual or bisexual it's like I just have a lot of love to give (laughs) and I just look at it that way and I'm at peace with that and it feels good for me but that that was really the tipping point when I had a when I had an affair I'm like wow I'm really not happy I mean I you know it was really the that was the wake-up call I was like, I can't, I can't live like this because this is not really who I am. I'm not, I'm, I am a trustworthy person. I am a good partner. I am faithful, you know, all of these things, but it, it had, it almost had to not only break him, but it had to break me down enough where I, I had to just pull myself back together and say, I can't be in this marriage anymore. And I remember the night that I told him. I was in I was in the bathtub hmm. and he was, you know, I was so upset and I was crying and he was actually like rubbing my back with a, you know, with a with a washcloth, you know, trying to lovingly, you know, but it was like it was too late. Yeah. You know, we were we were just already miles apart and and I just told him I'm like I'm I'm leaving. I'm leaving you. 
It was, it was awful, but it was the right thing. And we're still friends. I mean, to this day, he and I are still friends. And I mean, obviously we don't hang out together, but I can still call him friend. Um, and I don't regret the time that I was with him because if I hadn't gone through that, the fire, I wouldn't be over here on the other side all, you know, happy and content, you know, because I needed to go through that, you yeah. know, so... Yeah. I'm thinking about the next 10 years after that. And you, you kind of make it not seem easy, but you're, you're so happy right now. And you have this smile on your face about, you know, I can do anything and I feel empowered and, and you can do anything you want. But I'm sure the next 10 years was a lot, was a lot of work. <laughs> Oh, God, yes. oh my God. Yeah. No, I mean, totally. I mean, I, and it was, it was little, little things, little changes, you know, at a time. I mean, I, I remember going into a bookstore and going to the self-help section for the first time in my life. And, um, and the very first book I ever picked up was, uh, you can heal your life by Louise Hay. Cause I, again, I was just so, I, you know, I, and I had years and years and years of feeling so guilty for hurting him, hmm. you know, for, for betraying him, for being a shitty wife, for being, you know, a cheater, for being, I mean, believe me, I, I had several years of beating myself up and wondering if I did the right thing and what if he was the love of my life and what have I done? And I mean, it was just like, oh, it was it was crazy. It was a crazy, yeah, I'd say it was probably a good, probably 11 or 12 years of, of really heavy soul searching and avoiding and numbing. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, I certainly didn't just pop out all happy like I am right now. I mean, again, I was, what is, I was 38 when I left him and now I'm 53. So there's a lot of, a lot of green in between. <laughs> well, there, it, so. it's interesting how, and, and I'm the same way, and I don't know. I mean, I can beat myself up over decisions. Um, did I make the right decision? I, there's this ambivalence that I feel sometimes. And, and, and I don't know if it's because my dad made a lot of decisions for me as a kid because I was so sick and they sort of had to do things for me because I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, and, and I don't know with you, if it was because there were four of you and they sort of just assumed you were going to be okay. Or I I don't know. Why do you think, where do you think that came from for you where you, it almost feels like, this sounds cliche, but you were your own worst critic. You know, I think being compared to my sisters, you know, hmm. and always, I think that is, again, you know, just, I think it's something that parents do. Why can't you be more like hmm. yeah. your sister? Right. Sure. I mean, it, you almost you hear it, you know, like one kid's good another kid's, you know, a rascal. It's like, why? You know, um, and I think I think it, it comes from a very young age of not feeling good enough. 
you know, like that comparison of always not being good enough and, or at least you, and it's interesting how little things you can hear as a kid will, will help you make a decision about yourself and you don't even know it. You know, it's like, it's, it's a part of a process of building who you are as a person, because when we come out of a womb as a baby, we're like totally open. We think we are awesome. There's nobody better than us. We're incredible. You know I mean? We, we love ourselves coming out of the gate. We do. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're a chubby baby or an ugly baby, everybody loves you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's only once we get, you know, the feedback from the adults around us and our siblings that we start, you know, making decisions about ourselves. Like I have crooked pinkies. I don't know if you can mm, see those. I can. <laughs> okay. So when I was young, I mean, this was like a source of huge embarrassment for me. I mean, I would, I would always have my hands you know, somewhere where I would, it was at only after a kid noticed them and said, and laughed at me that mm. I was all of a sudden conscious of them, that I was different and I had to hide them. So I don't really have a great answer for your question, but I think it has to do with just, you know, for me, it, I think it came from being compared and feeling like I was coming up short being compared to my sisters when I was young I think that's probably where it came from. But, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean, there's... Yeah, no. I'm, makes, I'm a mystery, just like you're a mystery. <laughs> I mean, you know, but it's like, what makes us tick? You know, what makes us do what we do? And Well, I think we're very complicated. And not just you and me. I just think the human being and the way we learn things and patterns and the things that people notice about us and why people say no or yes to our requests when we're kids. And it, it's... it. This all plays into our decision making as adults and our insecurities and and I, I'm I, I do think I want to get back to your late thirties and the story, but I do think it's more complicated now though, because the decisions and the influencers in the past, be it our parents or teachers, those aren't as influential now anymore. Instagram and technology is becoming... You're absolutely right. So that's, to me, where the, the, the chaos sort of... Maybe yeah. not so much for us because we're older, but you know, people that I speak to in their teens and early 20s, I mean, they're, they're basing their decisions based on how many people like them on an Instagram post. And it's... I know. It's crazy. It is crazy. I totally agree. I mean, I feel blessed that I'm the age that I am. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing too. I mean, that I'm I'm a I'm a hu- I'm I'm all about um, you know that. I, well, I don't know if we want to touch on this, but one of the one of the reasons why I wanted to coach, I, I like to work with mature people in general, mature women in particular, just because you know we have this hyper focus in society on youth and value of youth, right? And especially women who are no longer in childbearing years, so they're just like a throwaway, you know. It's mm. like, you know, so I don't want to get off track. Yeah, that. no. But, but well, give me the few things in your forties, and now I'm really starting to get a sense of the shape of your book, though, and why I think it's worth reading. Because, I mean, there there are a lot of people out there who feel as though their voice isn't being heard, or they should just keep their mouth shut. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people like that. I mean, we're still dealing with that especially with women in, in this current day and age. So yeah. mm. what do you feel were maybe the two or three or four things that happened, whether it was a person or a, um, an action where you felt as though you should be speaking up a little bit more and you did feel as though you were, quote unquote, kind of finding yourself? 
Well, you know, it's funny. One of the reasons why I didn't write the book for so many years is because I kept telling myself that my story wasn't good enough. (laughs) You know, it wasn't compelling enough. It's not, like I said, it's not, you know, there isn't some crazy accident that happened to me and, you know, I came out the other side. It's like, I, you know, again, it's, it's, I think it's what catches up with so many people. It's like that slow burn of life. It's like, you know, you turn around, you know, it's like, you know, you know, everything's awesome and high up through high school for some people for high school. And then all of a sudden you go to college and then you're 30. And I was, everyone was like, Oh, I'm turning 30. Oh my God. It's like, Oh no, I'm turning 40 and these milestone birthdays. But you start noticing they're coming so much faster. You know, they're coming so much faster. And then you, you know, for me, it was like recognizing that, you know, wait, what have I, have I done any of the things that I wanted to do? I mean, I, there's so many things that I keep putting off that I keep putting off. And I think that it was, I think really just through my own self-help journey, again, like, you know, picking up book after book, it's like everything that I read was leading me down a different path and helping me look in a different area of my life, whether it was my how I, how I was showing up in my relationships with a significant other. That was the first area that I, that I started to work on. And then moving on to looking at what kind of work am I doing or actually how, how much money am I making? Because I would always tell myself, I'm not about, I'm not about the money. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those people that needs to make a lot of money, which is such horseshit. I mean, it's like, you know, it, Cause I had it in my mind that if you were wealthy, you were an asshole, you know, oh, and it wow. was because, and again, that's what I was brought up and I was taught that wealthy people are jerks. You know, they, they cheat other people, they rip people off. That's why they have all that money, you know? Hmm. And it's like, Ooh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be wealthy. I'm not, I don't want to be that person. It's like, but I mean, I think it was just, you know, to answer your question, it's like, you know, it was just me just picking up one rock at a time in my life and saying, Oh, there's something right there I got to work on. There's something right there I got to work on. And the more I compiled all of these massive lessons that I had accumulated over the 10 or 12 years after I left my husband, I'm like, wow, I really think that it would be valuable for just another ordinary woman who didn't have a crazy, you know, traumatic experience to, to read the story. I think it would help. I mean, and I, I also know just in you know, conversations with other women sharing my story just at a, you know, at a dinner, you know, telling them what happened, you know, in one snapshot of a portion of my life. They're like, wow, what a great story. You know, that, that really helped me to look at this, you know, something similar that's happening in their life. It's like, oh, and I started getting that kind of, you know, that kind of feedback that actually I do have something of value to share you know, do I have it all figured out? Of course not. You know, and, and most of the people that I even coach, I'm just a few steps down the road. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I, I don't claim to be a guru, but it's like, I have some things I figured out for myself and maybe I can help you with those things. And I continue my own journey of figuring out more and more as I go. And I think that that, you know, just looking back on my wins since I, finally stood up for myself and left the marriage that I was unhappy in. I, I, I make myself intentionally go back and look at, okay, that was good. I, I, I moved out of that job. I got into something I liked a little bit better, or I made a little bit more, more money, or I moved to a better area or I, or I, or I, and it's like that helped me gain momentum and say, I am moving forward. 
Because I think that it's so often that we think, oh, I haven't done anything. You know, I haven't done anything. It's like, stop and go back and think, what was a win that you had? You've had some wins. Where can people get by the book? And I, I suddenly, I'm sorry, I suddenly forgot the name of the book. No worries. It's called This Time, It's About You. Right now, I've got, I've got the, um, the first 250 copies that I bought for myself that I'm uh, signing and shipping out myself. But after that, I'm going to let Amazon do, do it. So I don't know when this is going to air, but um, they certainly could go to my Facebook page or It's About Time Baby dot com and there's my book tab that's the landing page for the book so they could buy that and get a signed copy that way or they could go to amazon and just go by the the title this time it's about you and it's a journey from no i can't to yes i can changing my no i can't stories into yes i can so that's where they can find it so either way they can get their hands on it that way yeah i'm pretty raw and real in this i mean i you know share a lot of a lot about myself in there and I didn't hold back. So, um, it's scary to kind of share your story, you know, cause you open yourself up to judgment, but at the same time, I just, I keep telling myself, it's like, if I can just have one person wake up in their life by reading my book, then it will all be worth it. And I may never know that, but I trust that at least one person is going to resonate with my story and, and it'll be all worth it. So, yeah. What's next for you? What do, what are you thinking about? I'll tell you what I just did. I just, um, I've worked at a job for 10 years. I was in a sales job for 10 years and I just literally gave notice <laughs> the, the day that I decided to launch this book. Um, I gave notice that I'm going to leave by the end of the year and pursue my coaching full time because I've been doing it as a side gig and, um, I just know that it's what I'm here to do and I, and I'm energized when I do it. So I know it's right. Um, am I scared about losing the very good income that I make from my regular job? Hell yes. But at the same time though, it's like, I've just got to jump. So I've, I'm going to be doing this full time. I'm also kicking off my, um, motivational speaking career. I've done a couple of talks and, I want to go out and it's not just about promoting the book, but I have, you know, different things that I'm passionate about. Like, you know, midlife weight gain is not inevitable. It's one of my signature talks. I love talking about that kind of stuff. And cause I'm very much into health and fitness. So yeah, I want to do, I want to do a speaking career as well as my coaching and I'm building out a lot of different things that, you know, that I'm, you know, like a, uh, an online training program and a, just a lot of different things. You know, obviously, I'm trying to create multiple streams of income for myself so that I can support myself going after and doing what I love. So yeah. that's what's next for me. So and let, I'm just it is funny, though, you mentioned this earlier, just and I remember my uncle and aunt this past week, I was telling them about my book. And I said something to them like, God, and I want this thing to fucking sell and make a lot of money. And I and and it's so funny how and I felt similar to you. It, I would feel 
like there was something wrong or that's bad to admit that you want something to be successful or you want to make a lot of money doing yeah. something. And that's totally okay. It's, it's normal. It's good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's funny because I, I didn't, I, I didn't write the book as an income stream, but it will be an income sure. stream. I think you know, if you're, I think the reason behind writing a book has to be other than an income stream. But at the same time, I think that there are plenty of people who do write books with the intention of writing a bestseller, you know, because there's a formula or whatever. But I mean, um, but no, I, I think it's totally and that's funny. It was something I had to overcome too, like allowing myself to say that I want to make a lot of money. You know, it's like it's OK for me to, and why not me? You know, yeah. why not me? It's like, obviously, I don't need that much. And, you know, money isn't everything, but life is a lot easier if you have money. And you can help a lot more people if you have money. It's not evil. You know, that's kind of what I was taught growing up. Money is evil. And so I've had to reprogram myself from that, too. But, yeah, I plan to make more money than I've ever made in my life doing what I love. Because I really believe if you are doing what you love, I know this is something that's thrown around all the time, that the money will come. But I've already seen that that's the case. You know what I mean? It's like, what if I actually put my full attention to something that I love and, and I could feel this way eight hours a day or at least six hours a day or even four hours a day, which I can't say is the case in my regular job, an hour a day. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, what would that be like if I could actually be excited and full of energy all day? It's like, wow, that would be cool. So, Well, this is a good last point. I'll let you go. You, you're talking about attention. And, and I think that's, I, I do, th I read this interesting article in the New York Times just the other day where, you know, back 20 years ago, people went to channel to NBC or ABC or CBS, and we all got our news from one source. And our attention was drawn to our parents and our teachers. And, you know, maybe we would go to the movies on Friday night. Our attention was focused on schoolwork. And it was very the potential for focus was much easier. Right. Nowadays, our attention can be drawn to thousands of different things in a week. And I think the point behind my show and even what I see when I'm creative and I'm singing songs and I'm teaching yoga and I'm writing my book, it requires an insane amount of focus. Yes. And attention and discipline. And those three attributes in our brain, they're just harder to sustain and, and, and get to get things done. And, and I do think it's important now more than ever for people to, whether it's through a book or through meeting you or talking to you, just listening to a podcast. I mean, we have to stay focused and I think the creative culture is taking the biggest hit because of tech, because it does require a year or two or three years of focus to to write a book or get an album done. And, and, and those things are going to take longer because people are looking at their phones all the time. So I just I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, too, um, when you know, just for whatever it's worth for you for a tip writing the book. If you can connect with someone else who's also writing a book, hmm. that would be great because a buddy system for anything, I think, you know, accountability helps so much. And then just giving yourself, um, like I, I was struggling in the beginning writing because 
I was feeling guilty about taking away time from being with Paul, hmm. you know, because I was really just writing on the weekends, right? And it's like, I'm, I'm going to write for four hours, you know, which is not realistic to sit and write for four hours, but maybe two or two and a half hours. One of the women in the group said to me, she's like, you know, it's not, it's not a either or, it's an and. It's like, you can write and you can spend time with Paul. Allow yourself to just realize that you don't have to choose. It can be both. And it's just about, you know, setting a time. It's like, I'm going to write from here to here and then I'm going to go have fun. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do something else. And then I'm going to write again, you know, and give yourself some pages to, to get down, like a number of pages too. And I'm telling you, you'll, you'll be able to write it a lot faster than you think. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think you can you can absolutely do it a lot faster by incorporating a few of those things. I don't know if that helps at all, but no, it does definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll let you go. But of course, I'm also thinking about this issue of time. I feel like sometimes I struggle with having, yeah. like I'm just our time is limited, and and I think we just we got to make the most of it while we're here. And yeah. it's been really wonderful talking to you, and I and I oh. I wish you the most success with the book and and becoming a coach over the and just quitting your job and doing coaching full-time it's awesome ah, thank you i really appreciate this too i mean you're really helping me you know step into a new territory with this interview in general i mean it's it's giving me a lots of experience and um i just hope it was entertaining for for you and for your audience i mean I just i really appreciate it and thank you so much for reaching out to me Definitely. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. No, you're welcome. It's important to hear your story and get your voice out there. I think it's it's really important. Yeah. So well, you, I've always gotten the, such good energy from you from the very first time I met you. I mean, you you remind me a lot of Paul's energy, you know, because hmm. he's very he's in touch with his feminine side, and yeah. so are you. You know what I mean? And that's so needed in the world more like you you know more <laughs> of that and you know I, I i would love to you know pick your brain on how how do you think that came about for you why is that for you do you have a sense of why you're in touch with that side because you definitely have a very mm, it's like you're maybe it's maybe it's the yoga i don't know but it's like you're very much able to be to just be and not always be doing do you know what I mean? Like you're able to, that's the only way I can put it. Like you're, I don't feel like a pressure or, you know, like you're just, you're just, you're being, that well, sounds really weird. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I'll be honest. I certainly, the reason why I'm teaching yoga and DJing and writing and doing all these things is I do, I do want, I put a lot of pressure on myself to get the most out of life. I'm in my 40s, but I do think because I thought I was going to die when I was 12 or 13, Mm. and I dealt with serious health issues, people thought I had leukemia. This was before I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and this was well before Humira and Enbrel and sort of all these these drugs that people take now for like colitis and lupus. I mean, there was a good five, six years of my life under the age of 17 where I thought I was going to die. And I think when, at least for me, when you are acquainted with your mortality, 
it makes no sense to be the macho, I know everything guy. I mean, I, I, Mm. I'm, you know, I'm throwing things out there wondering if any of this makes sense, but, um, I certainly have that masculine energy, but I also know that I am at any point, there's just this, this thing in the back of my head where, you know, I, I realize life is fragile Mm. and short and and I'm not here to pretend that I know everything. And I think I am very sympathetic to people who are insecure and unsure of themselves because we are all that way. And I certainly felt that way. I think from the age of 12 up until about 30, even after I finally found health, I was very lost and insecure because while guys are out there getting laid or going out on dates, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to die. Mm. And so that really was probably the great equalizer in my life and made me feel as though uh, it probably humbled me. Mm. So, Well, I'm sorry you went through that, but I like what came out on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I think I, I, I'm, I'm happy and proud of who I've become for sure. Yes. So, yeah. Um, Well, Julie, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spile. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was a real joy to talk to you. Thank you. 